I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And a very warm welcome to uh, our Brain Grow Studios live. This is the loved up edition of The Call for this Valentine's Day. Ten stocks picked by you and we've chosen ones that have a bit of love attached to them. And uh, of course we, we had to, to really think hard about a loved up panel of experts for uh, this special Valentine's Day edition of The Call. Who else? Would we get, but Jessica Amir from Moo Moo. Jess, how are you? Great Good. to see you. Have you had any car, anonymous cards no, or anything today? No. Flowers? No, or, nothing. Oh. <laughs> Just a few text messages. Okay. Oh, well done. Well, at least that, that's the modern way of doing it. It is. Uh, Mark Garner from MPC Markets with a blended family of nine children. You can't get much more love in a family than the Gardner household. No, no, you can't. And um, as we were explaining pre-show, so uh, having to research a dating app, a divorce lawyer um, for this show has put me in, un- in no uncertain terms in a fair bit of trouble at home. Um, and uh, and I thank the staff for the promos and everything. I, I think right. I'll be not mentioning this uh, at home after okay. today. Okay, all right. Now, do you do anything special? My, my father always was really grumpy around Valentine's Day. He said it should be Valentine's Day every year, not just one day of the year. So he'd always put us in our place. But every day. Oh, look at have a card on your pillow this morning. I I, I did not, but I'll be taking some flowers home this oh, evening. So lovely. and I there and I go. and I potted some flowers on the weekend, but uh, I got Excellent. caught with those. So okay. um, All right. I'll have to get some more. Okay, so we've Smooth. chosen well for the panel today for the uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day edition. Um, this half hour, some of the loved up stocks that we're going to take a look at, um, which haven't come up on the call before, but quite interesting. Uh, La Carpa Diamonds, FFI Holdings, Dusk, Baby Bunting, and Bumble, which of course is the, um, the dating app, but um, a, a NASDAQ listed company. Uh, stock of the day. Well, love of a different strain. Combank, has it fallen out of love with investment markets? Boom, boom, there's the link, <laughs> tenuous as it may be. Uh, after its uh, results out today, uh, pointed that financial strain is expected to continue in the year ahead. 
as customers feel the lagged effect of higher interest rates. Uh, Combank reported a 3% fall in first half cash profit as lower loan impairment expenses were more than offset by a flat operating income and higher costs. Cash profit for the period coming in at just a tad over $5 billion, lower on a year earlier, but above the $4.95 billion the market was expecting. Um, so uh, quite a reasonable drop in its share of the housing market as well. Of course, it's dominant there. Um, Mark Gardner, what did you think of the combat result and have you fallen out of love with it? Uh, I've been out of love with CBA for a while. We used to just prefer... Um, we prefer just being in the hybrids. We can sleep, we get roughly about the same annualised return. Um, look, they provided very little guidance on the outlook, which yeah. is unlike them. Is that a surprise? That was a yeah, surprise. that's a surprise for me. That's, that, and because they normally always do. And yeah. that's, that usually, uncertainty is not the market, um, not a friend, not your friend in the market. So, um, but NIM dropped, loans and arrears were up uh, slightly. Their market share dropped by half a percent. But the big thing for us, and it wasn't, hasn't, hasn't really been talked about, but um, the lending capacity of their clients has dropped 40%, which is almost in the last two years. So, right. so that basically means the amount that their customers can borrow from them has dropped by 40%, which means wow. then like, it's a huge capacity drop um, for a company that's losing market share. Um, I think the NIM will correct itself. The inverted yield curve obviously affects NIM. I think that will improve in the latter half of the year because uh, obviously the yield curve's gone a little bit higher um, you know, from those lows. It would definitely be higher than the average period over the last six to 12 months. So, um, so that will improve. But I mean, if this doesn't have the, the name CBA on the top, you're, you're like you're probably really upset. I mean, they're losing market share, cash profits down, you know, slightly riskier book, and then five year high. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, I just if if this was if this wasn't Commonwealth Bank, it's probably right. fifteen to twenty percent lower to be honest. Like, but because it gets that the benefit of that index buying, it's been a consistent mm. um, a consistent performer over a long period of so years. So, if you come back shareholder, what do you do? Oh, you definitely sell, but it's one of those ones that people are super reluctant to sell because yeah. they've got they've had them forever. They they're worried about capital gains. So you've got you've got really sticky shareholders. This is like this and BHP are two stocks that you you know you rarely re they always trade at a premium to analyst expectations because the shareholders just they, they yeah. don't care. They don't they they've probably like had them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean many clients we've got have held them pre GFC. If you manage right. to hold them to the GFC. You, you, it's not, you're not even a bead of sweat coming off your brow at right. this point. So, yeah. but I, I think this realistically should be analyst uh, consensus is 90 bucks, but we usually just add about eight to 10 percent premium um, because it's okay. you know, it's a it's a much loved stock. So I think it'll probably pull back to around about the you know the high hundred dollar uh, sorry high 90s mark at some right. stage over the okay. next few weeks. Okay, Jess. So I'm of a same view, similar. I wouldn't say sell all, I'd say take some profits. Right. So I'd say most people are quite bearish. If you have a look at the breadth of um, investment houses and analysts that cover the stock, not one um, has got it as a buy. So I'd be expecting some downgrades on the back of today's outlook, walking away from guidance and also uh, disappointing um, impairments ahead. Uh, but that's obviously to be expected. CBA is a proxy of the consumer and we are feeling pain, the average consumer. Delinquencies yeah. are up, bad debts are up. 
Um, and that's expected to continue till 2025. And that's when the numbers might potentially start to turn around. But for now, um, the, the margins, uh, all metrics are actually uh, are down, as we're saying, as, as, as it reads black and white on the screen, everything's down. A slightly um, better than expected in terms of some outcomes, the NIM, but again, um, we were talking about uh, banks being downgraded the most across all of the yeah. 11 gig sectors. So no surprise, the benchmark was a little bit low, but they still disappointed. A drop in market share in the home loan market because it, some people unkindly say um, Commonwealth Bank is sort of a, uh, if you like, an old credit union on steroids or a building society because it's all home loans. So a drop in market share, but during the year they decided not to keep um, uh, doing business through brokers, uh, mortgage brokers, and then they reversed it after a couple of months. So I wonder if that had an issue in terms of uh, the drop in market share yeah. over that period. Yeah, I, I think it did. And that's probably why we're seeing some of the smaller regional lenders also increase their market share as well. Right. And this has not been a phenomenon. It's been something that's been happening over the last couple of years. Yep. Um, obviously, increasing competition. Um, and another thing is you're seeing a lot of the other competitors actually gain market share in credit cards. Right. Um, and delinquencies are rising in credit cards as well, particularly in the younger end of town, 30 to 39. Right, um, and that's a bit of a um, a bit of a headwind as well. Right. Bit of a red so, flag. Yeah, right. but I mean, if if you if you loved it in the in the COVID nineteen lows and bought it at fifty five bucks, yeah, you'd be right. you'd be taking yeah. some cream for profit today. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Uh, I'll put the, those issues. The uh, drop in market share of the home loan. Uh, fascinating stat from Mark Gardner. Sort of the loan capacity of. Commonwealth Bank clients down 40% over the last two years, yep. two years. Um, I'll put all those issues to Commonwealth Bank uh, boss, CBA boss, Matt Common, uh, later this afternoon on those results. I'll be chatting with him around at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on Oddsbiz. There's a lot to get through. All right, let's take a look at the first of our Valentine's Day stocks. And this is a company listed on the market uh, Lucapa, Lucapa Diamonds. It's a diamond company with a portfolio of production and exploration assets in Angola and Botswana and here in Australia. End of last year, discovered a 170 carat pink diamond at its Luo, Lulo uh, mine um, in Angola. The largest diamond found in Angola in 300 years, would you believe? It's called the Lulo um, Rose, and I'm not sure what it sold for, but it was um, uh, apparently that mine hosts the world's highest dollar per carat alluvial diamonds. So I had no idea this stock was listed on the Australian market. Neither did I. Yeah. I'm so glad someone brought it up. Yep. But um, in terms of the dollars thank you, and cents, for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, so. When you crunch the numbers and dive into the detail, they're, they're making no money. So as analysts or as investors, when you are looking at buying a stock, you... Whoa, you, yeah, that's a bit of that. liquid too, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's dry. It's definitely yeah, dry as a That looks like my heart desert. rate at, uh, during a workout. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, this company is not making any uh, any revenue, um, or rather, not making any profit in terms of net income. They did actually, on the back of that um, stunning find, they did actually make 102 million in profit. Um, 
However, yeah, before you invest in a company, um, what we usually speak about is, is growing metrics. So you want to see earnings growth, revenue growth, all metrics actually were negative in 2022, um, and they've been negative since 2019. So I think that reflects their share price. Uh, their management as well, I usually like to see with a specy stock, I usually like to see uh, management have got skin in the game in terms right. of bringing companies through to you know positive uh, and growing metrics. So um, full credit to the management team, but I, I did a, some stalking on LinkedIn and I couldn't really see that they came from um, from pinup mining companies. Flip side, um, I'd be preferring uh, Burgundy Diamond Mines. So this is the biggest pure play ASX diamond company. Um, they actually mined 1.2 million carats in Q4, including a spectacular 75 carat rough diamond. Right. Not as big, not as big as Ducapalu, however yeah, you yeah, pronounce yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, um, but all their metrics are growing. Oh. And so what I like about Burgundy as well is their CEO uh, was previously the CEO of De Beers Canada, oh. which we know is the world's biggest diamond producer. And, uh, and he so was- So Burgundy's listed on the Australian market. Yeah. 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 I heard of it either. Yeah. So there you go. So I'm so glad that we did this. Yeah. This excellent. Diamond right. mining. There's an option rather than look, Lucarpa or Diamond, go for Burgundy. Um, yeah. Look, it was an interesting business. Um, and a market cap of 47 mil, if they've just made 100 mil on a diamond, obviously yeah. it's probably fairly cheap. Um, like diamonds, diamonds are basically the only commodity that's never had a futures market. So it's really right. difficult to have any idea about um, the underlying um, underlying. Because De Beers price, basically because De, De Beers warehouse a third of the world's diamonds. Yep. So or that well that's a, an old figure, but then I, I would I would imagine it's still around there. Yep. So they control supply. Where, look, if if you wanted to invest in diamonds, we've got obviously LVMH coming up later on. Yeah. Um, Tiffany's margins are more than double these guys. Right. Like, diamonds are an emotional purchase. Yeah. I think if you want to be in the diamond business, be in the end that take be at the end of the, the retail market the, where the that emotional decision is made and you get to make those those higher margins. It's something around the sixty two percent gross margin for Tiffany's and. Look, I mean, effectively, you know, the guy that makes the blue box is like, you know, yep. is the smartest guy in the world. But <laughs> like, um, because that's it, you know, yep. it is a, it's a status purchase. So for me, yeah, if I, if I wanted to be in diamonds, I, right. I want to be in the end user where the margins are um, because they can obviously, you know, okay. they can switch and they can, um, uh, suppliers, etc. And I don't want to be, you know, in a minor where, I do, where I've got no idea what the underlying commodity price is or have right. control on the supply. So, so. No, no from both coming up later in the show, Michael Hill Jewelry is uh, one of the stocks we'll be looking at. Adam wants a view, um, Mark, on FFI Holdings. Uh, it makes uh, chocolates, jam fillings, uh, also bakery items as well. What do you think of FFI? Uh, so... I had a look at, if you have a look at the chart, um, this is possibly the definition of the lobster trap. Um, right. It trades 10,000 bucks worth of shares a day on average. Okay. Um, so I would be super, super careful. But company wise, um, you know, their dividend yields 2.2, fully franked. 
uh, I think they made 1.75 mil last year. 1.36 was rent on property. So it's kind of a REIT slash chocolate maker, to be right. honest. Yep. Um, their NTA is $4.05. They're trading at about four, well, four fourteen. So right. you're buying it, I mean, from a risk reward standpoint, buying it anywhere around here, around this $4 mark. I mean, their property's 21 million. They've got 3 million in cash. They've got no debt. Um, and they're gonna market cap around this, well, right. around this point at probably around the 40 mil mark. There's not, there's not gonna be a lot of risk in this trade, but I don't, it's been listed for since 1987 and it really hasn't gone anywhere. I right. think you've probably got better options right. and you, you've, you've, you will get stuck in this okay. stock. If you're gonna put any more than 10 grand in, you're gonna be the average daily yeah. volume. Um, that's, a, that's a really hard thing to play. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, it, I mean, this is the sort of thing, would be a great private equity purchase. Right. Uh, but I was going to say, why would they be listed? I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe just habit. Who yeah. knows? Because the listing costs would improve their. Um, I mean, if you're only making 1.75, there's 100, an extra 150 goes on you. You know, right? Just to stay. Just, just, yeah, just yeah. So I mean, so yeah, nothing. No, no, um, nothing against the company. Um, been around for ages. Consistent. However, it, it's if you're investing, I would. Yeah. F- there's a million other exi- more exciting options. Okay, Jess. Well, it's a liquid as a dry sponge cake. But the other <laughs> thing is, if you actually dive into where they're getting their revenue from and who their contracts are with, it's really hard to find. Right. So that's something that is a little bit of a concern for me. But yes, uh, all their key metrics are growing, but I prefer uh, bigger brands, bigger scale and diversification of income. They make right. 100% of their money from Australia. And also we have to remember the cacao price is at a record all time high. So, I mean, companies yeah, like up, this stock up on your chocolate now absolutely yeah, you're start hoarding <laughs> price rises are coming yeah and they are yeah. so we've seen um the two big chocolate companies mondelez and um and hershey they've right. increased their prices in the order of 20 percent. Right. and so these type of companies are able to offset those higher cacao prices um so that's something to consider and we know cacao prices are probably going to stay higher because the issue with uh, cacao has not been resolved. 70% of supply is pretty much out of the market. Right. And um, and crops are still, uh, crop yields are very low and um, and mm. new crops haven't been able to be planted because of the, uh, because of the soil erosion, because of uh, El Nino. So yeah, pretty tough time. So prices to say elevated to, you probably want to be in the bigger end of town. Maybe right. have a look at the US player Mondelez. Okay. All right. Uh, next stock, uh, Olive wants a view, Jess, on Dusk, the home fragrance and candle group. They do candles, reed diffusers. Um, what uh, was only listed uh, just before the pandemic or during the pandemic, was it? Yeah, sort of, uh, yeah during, during late, late 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Dusk is sort of, you know, everyone, uh, when in doubt, for a gift, of course, you always give a candle and these guys want to try and uh, corner the market. What mm. do you think of Dusk? Well, I do like a candle, yep. but uh, I will say actually the wellness community is going away from candles. Oh, are they? Why? They are. Because... What, CO2 emissions or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because... uh, ESG reasons? Yeah. <laughs> no. Interesting to it's know. Actually, it's actually the fragrance. So the oh. whole uh, wellness community are really going against, you know, the concept of burning a fake 
fragrance oh. and then you're essentially in ingesting that. Oh, so, what about reed diffusers would be the same, with the ones that you put in your bathroom? Yeah, right, and there's, the so uh, to, to Dusk's credit, they actually do sell um, essential oils and so oh. they're more, I guess, favoured by the, the wellbeing community. Right, okay. But as a business, I actually, um, Look, I do, I do have their candles, I do have their essential oils. I'm not bullish on the stock, I'm actually quite bearish. Um, so the revenue growth um, kind of reflects the chart. So they've seen four straight years of negative growth or slowing negative growth. Sales growth is slowing as well. Um, slimmer margins as well. People are spending less on homewares. Right. So I don't know when you last saw a lot of people in a dusk store, but since they floated, there's less and less Jeez, people it took in the off. Store. It was a hot stock, wasn't it? Got to, as we saw on the chart there, four bucks soon after uh, soon after listing. It and and a door came out at very similar times, didn't they? Float yeah. yeah, both with a similar result in yeah. share price. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about being really cautious of of going into IPOs right. when you think about the future, the next five years. What what could that potentially look like? Yeah. So when you're buying a candle. Well, a candle business, how, how can they potentially innovate? Maybe if they went into a subscription model, I don't know who would buy a subscription model for candles, I'm not quite sure. But our forward estimates, um, they don't really look compelling either for dusk. So they're going in the wrong direction. Um, if you have a look at what the market is saying though, if financials potentially not expected to turn around till 2025. So, okay. yeah. All right, all right. So what do you reckon, Mark, on dusk? Uh, look. When I think investing, I'm definitely not thinking candles. Um, yeah, this, I mean, obviously that rally, um, you know, in 2021 is a good example of when you should use trailing stops because that was, you know, the market cap up there was, you know, quite extraordinary. Um, yeah. And realistically, my do my daughters have a little business and sell at markets, they sell these candles. Um, so right. we've, I've never walked into a store because I'd be shot. Um, but they're, uh, so but there's they're, really no moat around dusk, is there? Oh, no, it is, the, it is the simplest thing. I've got, um, oh, apart from the hot stove, my 12-year-old, 12 and 16-year-old um, daughters are, are making them en masse and they're right. super easy to make. So, right. um, and, and yet yeah, they're very, very cheap. So their gross margin is high. Um, I just don't see any, we've got, We've got JB Hi-Fi. We've got West, we've got Nick Scarlett. We we've got so many great retailers in Australia. Yep. I don't. I just okay. don't really. If we if we were if we were lacking in choice in the re, for retailers, I think you would you might look at this. But but okay. yeah, we've we've got some of the best retailers in the world. Like, All right. Well, so. Phoebe wants to know whether Baby Bunting is fits that description. So, one, of, one of the best retailers in the world, of course. Specialty baby <laughs> goods. Um, in Australia and New Zealand, 120 stores. They're sort of floundering in the moment. Um, I, I think I've got a little bit of a problem with the business model here because they, they, I think digital. I think they underestimate digital sales. Having had four babies, mm. and we've got obviously you know haven't been through that over a 10-year period. I think they very much underestimate. You're all very happy to go to the store when you've got no kids and it's your first kid and you probably spend yeah. a lot of money, but. 
you're too tired and you've got things to do like when you buy the rest of it you know what it looks like you know what works etc um, and I, even when I googled them they said they've spent a lot of money on advancing their digital footprint but they're still like sixth on Google or, or, or less right. like oh, their, wow. their website traffic whoever's doing their digital marketing needs to be reviewed to, to be honest but because they do have like a natural tailwind coming we've had a massive um, increase in migration um, on average um, there's a UN stats. Migrants are migrants will have 2.18 kids versus 1.7 from a person who's already from here. already here. So, and we've just we've just increased uh, migration. What was it, 40 or 50 percent? So mm-hmm. we we're going to have a tailwind for, um, in this market. Um, I just think they you know, their bricks and mortar cost them a lot of money. Um, look at the like Temple and Webster, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if you can sell furniture <laughs> online, yeah. like. You can sell. So you're saying they haven't cracked that digital. I think they need. Well, they're 18 percent of the bricks and mortar market, and they're 10 percent share only of the digital market. Right. And right. I and I think for me, if if that digital market um, increases, I think this is going to have probably, you know, we're, we're probably going to have like a five to five year tailwind for this business. Right. Um, but they, you know, and because that because they'll not only increase their margins, but they'll have more customers. Yep. So yep. it. Um, and it, you know that's that's sort of the general opinion. Okay. It is very low at the moment, but that digital thing is a is a huge. It, it's kind of mm. like Harvey Norman resisted, um, and that made the way for Temple and Webster to be right. there basically. Yeah. Like, and they, okay. these guys need to catch up. Okay, um, we have a tradition in our household that uh, Lib and I buy the first pram of each that's... of our kids. So we go into baby bunting. So we've been in there four times so far. And they can see grandparents coming a mile off because they have. You're better off buying them their first car. Well, <laughs> like some of them well, are three thousand dollars. I know. You see the lineup of uh, of the prams, and they, of course, say grandparent will take you to the far end, sort of yeah. the Formula One and McLaren version. <laughs> well, sort there, of. And, was uh, there a roped off area uh, where they were, they welcomed yeah, you yeah. in and gave you with a, a drink? With a glass of champagne and stuff <laughs> like that? And, you know, they go through all the features, $3,000. Mm, I said, wow. you're kidding me, I'm not paying $3,000. What's something middle of the range? And one of them once, I'll never forget this, said, okay, we can show you a cheaper model. You know, if you're prepared to trade off safety for a cheaper oh model, I said, I said, don't you give me that. <laughs> Thank you. I know, I know. So they pick grandparents a mile off. Uh, what about baby bunting, Jess? I guess for me, um, yes, you're still seeing, I guess, those core items. I guess they're keeping the business um, going in terms of revenue yep. growth, but it is at a much slower pace. But I guess three things for me, um, birth rates are declining. Mm. So there's a bit of a baby drought, would you believe? And fertility is near record lows. So. If we didn't have the migrants coming into Australia, and if we didn't have um, a portion of our indigenous population, I guess, producing more children than the average Australian, uh, our fertility rate would be through the floor. Um, and then second thing, their, their moat, um, their moat is uh, like, honey, I shrunk the kid. So I'm seeing a lot of my friends now who are having babies go to Facebook Marketplace uh, to buy yes. their cots. Yep. So that's a consideration. And um, I think the uncertainty with the interest rates is probably going to be a headwind for their earnings. Um, so that's something to, to keep on your radar. And that's why I'm thinking that a lot of younger mums um, 
are probably going to go the cheaper route. So, right. you know, the big W, yeah. um, the oh, Target, yeah. they are selling cots yeah. and prams, etc. Yeah. I mean, you only have to go to Google to find that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Kmart, in when you've got a big family and young kids, <laughs> they, they are... Yeah. You know, yeah. fantastic in the offering. All right, uh, our next doc, Frankie wants to view Jessica on Bumble, the uh, NASDAQ listed, so not Australian listed, NASDAQ listed online dating service uh, has Bumble and Badoo. I've heard of Bumble, but haven't heard of Badoo. I've, obviously, I'm out of the dating market. Uh, based in Texas, what do you think of Bumble? What's Badoo, by the way? I've got no idea. I'll look up what Badoo is. I think what's interesting is, so there's two major competitors in the world in terms of the dating apps that offer, you know, the swipe left, swipe right to meet a potential love interest. Or even some of my uh, girlfriends have actually met uh, friends and become best friends um, through Bumble. But I think um, Match is a little bit more interesting that's the other listed entity listed in the US. So Bumble has got less of a market share. They've got those two dating apps, whereas we compare it to Match, they've got mm. 50% of the global dating market. Match. So Tinder, oh. Match.com, OkCupid, okay, Hinge. Oh, so, so Match do own Tinder, do they? Yeah. Right, okay, and so, the listed company. Yeah, right. they are seeing... Um, they are seeing a lot more users and a lot more paying users yeah. than Bumble. And I think that explains um, their revenue as well. So Bumble, they're almost about to clear $1 billion in revenue this year. But if you think about Match, their revenue is probably going to be maybe closer to $4 billion. Ah. So okay. talk and cheese, Match is doing a $1 billion buyback. Bumble, um, I guess, really be cautious if Look you are in price. this. So, There's a large yeah. amount of puts, which means sophisticated investors are betting that it's probably going to go down. Um, ah. Yeah. So, so so they're shorting yeah. Bumble at the moment. Okay. Ma? Um, I didn't do the research on this because I wasn't having a dating app on my search history at home under any <laughs> circumstances. So I'm just going to say... But it really came down to Whitney Wolf Heard, who was she founded Tinder, yeah. um, then left and founded Bumble. But is now she's still on the board, but she's left running this as well. Um, Match.com's customers were stickier, higher margin, and they've obviously got a much more diversified product. Um, you know, this to me is is an avoid both. Well, investing and personally. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, there's some quirky features, but it's never going to be, and I think it's, I completely agree with Jessica, like, Match has got the whole, they've got the whole gamut. And yeah. I think um, their original, um, I mean, they were one of the first, that Match.com was one of the first, but the, their subscription model is built on a, you know, trying to find a partner, not dating. So you don't have subscriber drop off when, right. because you, you know, you might be paying for this thing for 12 or 18 months um, right. because you're trying to find a husband or a wife and you're not trying to, you know, just hook up with someone. So there, there's a lot of drop off in the, in the, you know, the millennial dating apps. It'll be right. like pay for a month, um, no, I'm out. And then they, so you just, I don't like that uneven um, revenue. And they only, they made $16 million last year for a 1.8 bill market cap and a bill in revenue. Right. Like, I mean, it's not much. Like a billion in revenue and sixteen million in profit. And the share, I do believe the share price went was they were ecstatic about that. Like I, yeah, I, 
I can't. Okay. I can't in right. good conscience. So, so the same matches are better. Yeah, off yeah, than that. absolutely. Okay. Just, yeah. All right. Let's recap the first five stock stock of the day. CBA um, after a, a disappointing earnings result this morning. Jess says a take take profits. Mark as a sell. La Carpa Diamond a no from both. Um, Jess prefers Burgundy, uh, the diamond other listed diamond company here in Australia. Uh, FFI, a no from both. Dusk, a no from both. Baby Bunting, a no from both. Not much love for the loved up stocks, is there? Uh, And Bumble, a no, uh, but both say in that dating app uh, market in the US, go for Match, which owns Tinder and Tinder and uh, Grindr is part of Match as well, is it? I think. I'm I'm pretty sure. Anyhow, um, all right. <laughs> All the We're other way ones. out of our depth, yeah. <laughs> All out of our depth. Um, now, here at the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund as picked by the investment committee. Um, um, you can see the latest, the February committee meeting on the platform osbiz.com at the moment. In February, Challenger was sold, Santos added to the portfolio. Uh, weightings of CSL and Macquarie were reduced. And that reduction in weighting was added into AUB and Karoon, and the fund is up 22% at the moment. All right, this half hour, Michael Hill International, AF Legal, Treasury Wine Estates, LVMH, Moet, Hennessy, Louis Vuitton, and Atlas Pearls. Some really interesting stocks ahead of us this half hour. Um, first up, uh, Jess, what do you think? Heidi wants a view on Michael Hill. Uh, the big jewellery chain, 280 stores, um, New Zealand, Australia and Canada. 280 stores, not for long. Uh, they're closing stores because they're, they're struggling. Right. So there's more competition in the market. Um, there's less foot traffic. They are seeing growth online, though, to their credit, which is good. But it's, it's a little bit slower than they want. So uh, they're closing six stores. They're going to cut some execs so they can you know keep costs under control but i'm just not sure if this is going to be enough to offset their slow sales growth Um, and if you look at the michael hill chart and then you also look at the price of gold um, they've got an inverse relationship and that basically tells you um, we need to be cautious of michael hill's biggest expenses and precious metal costs um, are probably going to increase i think gold silver and believe it or not we spoke about diamonds at the top of the hour i think uh, diamonds will probably go into a shortage this year Um, and that's um, something that anglo uh, who owns de beers is also suggesting as well Um, and goes anglo is listed on uh overseas so yeah michael hill koshi for me it's a no i prefer um lvmh better margins stronger stronger forward earnings as well. Right. Um, this, uh, how do you describe Michael Hill's market niche? It's uh, that more affordable jewellery, is it? Yeah. Isn't it? It's not costume like La Visa, La but Visa. it's affordable, yeah. affordable jewellery. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's, it's market niche is shrinking. So they've got La Visa nipping at their heels at one end and LVMH yep. at the other. Tiffany um, at the other. Yep. It's, you know, it's a, it's a well-run founder-led business. Um, it, but realistically, I think you know if you want growth, um, if you want growth, you you would go with Lavisa. Um, and 
but I, I think this reports on the 26th. I think the, the couple of the founder-led businesses have actually knocked it out of the park on earnings because I think they are the, the founder-led businesses and this is a bit of a generalisation, but general, they are better at adapting to changing economic conditions than you know than non-founder-led the businesses. Big um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they have a good earnings report, but mm. I would probably take that as an opportunity to sell. Right. Um, so the, I think the retailers at the moment, the quality is really rising to the top. The JB Hi-Fi's Nick Scarley, like it just. Nick Scarley, everyone writes off Nick Scarley every six months and says, no one's going to buy couches. There was that yeah. great research. All the research analysts were saying, we've all bought couches, we're never buying couches again. And they yeah. just keep they just keep killing it. Like, it's just, they, these guys, could, it wouldn't matter whether they were selling hats. Like, it just they're, they're good businessmen. They know retail very well. But I think, I, I do tend to agree, it just, there's a lot of pressures. Um, they're probably going to be ahead of the game, scaling back um, and getting and cutting some costs and things. But, um, you know, I'd rather be in La Visa or, or, or in LVMH. Okay. I, I, I think that um, what they, the bit of the market they own just is, is just getting smaller and smaller. It's not their fault. It's just yep. they're, getting, they're getting eaten at both ends. Okay. All right. Next stock, uh, Aria wants a view, Mark, on AF Legal, a, a listed Australian law firm specialising in family and relationship law. Um, well, yeah, I mean, all part of the love process. You yes. know, 50% of us get divorced. So, um, you know, it, 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 is in, it is inevitable. I've been through one myself. Thankfully, I, um, we were sensible enough just to, uh, just to divide it down the middle and not cost ourselves a fortune. Right. Didn't need lawyers. That's the best um, way to go. But... But look, as a business, um, this this business is great for the partners and the lawyers. This is not great. This is not a great business for shareholders. Right. Because why? Because every time they win, the, the lion's share goes in bonuses to basically to oh, the okay. to the legal stuff. But by the looks, they're opening new offices. There's a bit of a roll up. Um, and look, it's you know the. The annual report was relatively unimpressive. They're unimpressive, to be honest. You know, the the wages they're paying to staff are just enormous, and for every for every high fee, it's, you're never going to recover margin. Cause, right. um, so, and who owns it? Is it mainly the lawyers in the in the uh, You think if that's the case, shareholders would would really jump up and down. We went right. through the annual report and we, we didn't go much further because right. it was just so clearly a sell for us yep. straight up. Yep. Um, this is this is why big law firms are partner run and led yep. uh, generally I, because that's where you know you that's where your business comes from. I, I don't I don't really understand we don't we couldn't work out why right. it was really listed to be honest. So yeah it's okay. a no for us. Mm. Mm. Jess? I think the macro landscape, um, if we can call it that, for divorces and marriages, is a, is an interesting one. It kind of reflects as well to a similar vein their share price that's um, very illiquid and uh, and lacklustre. So marriages, would you believe it or not, according to the ABS, are at a record all-time high. Um, and that's because marriages rebounded from the lows. But this data is very old. It's lagging. The last data set was released from the ABS in December. So right. don't lean into this. Um, but with that same token, uh, divorces are running at normal news, what the ABS call normal, uh, normal levels rather. So um, I don't know. Do, do the trends, are, are the trends a friend for AFL? Um, I probably think not. Are the revenues up and down like a yo-yo? Again, reflecting what Mark was saying, 
So how are they able to return money to shareholders? I'm quite not sure. Earnings growth actually is slowing as well. So the metrics no. that you want for a business, they're not really there. So uh, this all points to a no. Uh, no. For the average investor, you want to see earnings growth before you uh, typically buy into something. So it's okay. a no it for really, me. It really felt to us like you were you were sharing in the downside, but not enough of the upside. Right. And that's, and that's not what you want. Like no. If you if you're going to put your money in the line, you want to um, you want to be sharing in the winnings. Yeah. And you want money. executives who are, who um, are working in the interests of shareholders, correct? Not themselves and other executives. Yeah, that's then that's the feel we got from that. So. Okay. All right. Uh, next stock uh, up is something a little different. Um, of course, on this Valentine's Day, it's not only flowers but also wine over romantic dinners. Uh, Treasury Wine Estates, Harriet wants uh, a view on that, um, owns uh, big brands like Penfolds and Lindemans and Wolf Blass. Uh, it's got vineyards here in the Napa Valley in America, also in China and also in France. It's a big global wine business now. Uh, Jess, what do you think of, uh, first of all, what's your wine of choice? Well, I'm on a 75-day challenge, so I'm not drinking at the moment. Oh, well yeah. done. But I prefer a Pinot Noir. I'm not, oh, I'm not okay. one to lean into a brand, but yeah. I, I often do like the French brands and okay. uh, they're not a part of the TWE suite. Right. So, um, Although they, um, Chateau Saint-Jean uh, is in the US, but they do have a few, um, some quite big wineries uh, in France as well mm. So to mix it. Yep. Uh, interestingly... They grow a lot of the wine overseas so they can blend it with Australia wines and reduce the excise they've got to pay on their exports of wines into like China mm. and US and Europe. If you have um, a small percentage of local wine blended in, you avoid the excise tax. Mm. So we it's do big, like that. big for your prices. It's yeah. good. Mm. So a couple of headwinds. So speaking about the excise, so we're still waiting for the outcome for China to scrap that tariff. Yep. And we know China was a key growth area for treasury wines. And that's why their shares haven't been able to recover at all. Um, so if we think about their, their revenue makeup, so China, that line item has been completely wiped out. And then two other uh, growth drivers are the UK and the US, and sales are actually declining there. If it wasn't for the big Aussie drinkers, um, they mm. wouldn't have a strong, they wouldn't have, a, I guess, positive earnings growth at all right. in 2023. Um, but in saying that, uh, we need to be balanced. So we are starting to see a very slow uptick in the US. They've just purchased um, uh, some more wineries and vineyards in the US. And um, overall, it's very small. 1% lift in sales growth in the US. Um, 2024 is actually expected to be good for the wine industry. Um, and that's because overall wine production is expected to fall. And oh. so that bodes well for treasury wine. Um, and that's probably why the estimates are expecting 15% um, profit growth. Um, and then they could potentially clear that $400 million um, profit net income level for the first time okay. since pre-pandemic. So that'll yeah. be that'll be a huge wind, huge wind. So if you hold them, I'd probably say uh, hold, hold. Um, but um, yeah, it could potentially. So be if they're worth getting back nibble. to those pre-pandemic profits, you know, pre-pandemic share prices, what around sixteen, seventeen dollars. Mm. 
before yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. So is anyone predicting that, that they'll get back to that and get on a run? You'd need, you'd need China really to um, sort of reduce those we do. We do. Yeah. All. And the street's pretty um, sitting on the fence, if not bearish, waiting for right. China to come okay. back online. So um, you might want to hold if you're holding them okay. and then... All right. So you see how it goes with the trade wars. Uh, Mark, what do you reckon? We're really bullish on this stock. Um, uh, that, that Chinese market's expected to open back up. Um, obviously, it's been a horrible, horrible three or four year period yeah. for this. They, they basically had all of their eggs in one basket with the Penfolds range. Um, they, it's, they make most of their money out of, this pre, out of the premium wines. Mm. Um, and that's a huge amount of, uh, a huge amount of margins. Um, now the winery that they bought in, which was a one point eight odd billion dollars in the U.S., fills a gap in their suite. Um, U.S. wine market is expected to grow at eight percent CAGR uh, for the next um, ten years straight. So that you know that means they'll be doubled that, and obviously those tax you know they, they've worked to. This was a business that just was lazy and lent on penfolds mm. and. As horrible as it's been that, that that happened to them, I think shareholders will look back in 10 years and go, that's the best thing that ever happened to us because they've become a much more well-rounded business. Right. Um, this new uh, acquisition um, increases their exposure to luxury wines, which is the high margin stuff, to 53% from 38%. So, mm. um, And it gets them 11% of the US market in bottles um, priced between $40 to $100. Um, been criticism that they've probably paid a little bit too much, but I think where what they're overlooking is that blend and that that yeah. little tax workaround thing. Yeah. There'll be there'll be synergies, um, you know, synergy savings as well. Um, the CEO, I think, cut his teeth over there. Um, yeah, Tim, I, Tim Ford. They actually sent him over there to establish the. Uh, Tim's a big Port Adelaide supporter, so I know him well. Uh, sent him over there, and then when it got into trouble. Uh, about six, seven years ago, there was a big management shakeout. They donged him to come back and run the whole thing. Yeah, so, so he, he was really keen on the US and was going to start it. So we, we've we've allocated like it's one of our in our portfolios. Um, yeah. Not a full allocation. We'll probably look to add more. We want to see earnings um, because Jessica's right. Backward looking earnings aren't going to be spectacular. Right. They're not going to. They're not. That's not going to. We're really looking. That's why we've only put in a half allocation at the moment. Is we're looking. You know, like the things will dramatically okay. improve, and we get. So you're having a nibble at the moment. We're having a nibble at the moment, um, but but they're doing all of the right things. They're they're shifting their business model to that higher margin luxury market, right? Um, and you know, if we get China back as well, they can go back to their they can you know they can go back to their old lazy model as well. So yeah. Yeah. it um and and it's a much better business. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry, actually, we also don't have to wait too long for the outlook or guidance. So results are out tomorrow. Yeah. And mm. something that is actually starting to gain traction is their new line um, called Dayo. It's their oh, yeah. new. That's that's the winery that's that seen... they bought in the Napa Valley. So yeah. So if it's you hard to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. I to so to the they're AGM. seeing twenty percent sales growth. So that is starting to look promising as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so a hold from Jess, uh, Mark starting to nibble at Treasury Wine. Uh, next stock, Eleanor wants a view, Jess, on L, uh, LVMH, uh, Moet, Hennessy, Louis Vuitton. Uh, like, this isn't listed here. Of course, it's um, listed in France, is it? Yep. Um, yeah, it is. Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, Moet and Chandon. Uh, 
uh, Tiffany, Stella, they own Stella McCartney's fashion range, which I, I didn't know, Mark Jacobs, uh, Givenchy, or Givenchy. If you uh, listed all of the companies, we Christian would be here Dior, Fendi, <laughs> Princess Yachts, uh, Tag Heuer, and Bulgari. It's like, you could not get a better suite of luxury brand names, could yeah. you? All under the one umbrella. Absolutely. And that's why they're the leader. So they're yeah. the global leader. And interestingly, we spoke about a lot of our low-end jewellers, if we can say that. Um, La Visa, Costume Jewellery, Michael Hill. This company is a key beneficiary or the global beneficiary yeah. of global luxury spending just cracking an all-time high. So it rose 10% last year. It's now 1.5 trillion euros. 1.5 yeah. trillion euros. That's that's phenomenal. So if you think about um, LVMH shares, they've had a pullback, no surprise. That's on the back of uh, the Chinese consumer. We're really yeah. not seeing... Um, I guess strong growth as expected from the Chinese consumer, but that's probably not good. Bounce in the last couple of weeks in the share price, though. Absolutely, yeah. Six sixty eight hundred. Yeah, and so now the thinking is that uh, that they will uh, be that gap will be filled. Um, They are expected to continue to grow their profits. Already, things are at record levels, so record cash flow, record profits, record net income. Um, we're expecting eight, 18% net income or profit growth. That's if you believe what the market is saying. Um, and that's up on 2023. So yeah. revenue, would you believe? Guess what you believe their revenue is? What? $91 billion. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's so it's just, huge, just like... Yeah, it just trebles all of the all of the companies that are here down under. But um, another another tailwind as well. Um, they've just recently come out. They've designed the Olympic Games medals, right. twenty twenty four, and the Paralympics. So right. their name will be okay. everywhere. Of course, the Olympics in, in France. It's home country. Uh, so do you have it as a buy at the moment? Yes, I'd be I'd be buying at these levels. Okay. Mark. Yeah, this was fascinating to research because I don't think there's any company in the world that's kind of run like this. No. It's got a, they call it. It's six maisons or segments. Um, so, f- I mean, and I highly recommend for, to the viewers go and look up on Google what they own. You would right. be, it is so many brands. It's, they've done 50 MA deals in the last 40 years. Um, wow. Their last one, they just paid 16.2 billion euros for Tiffany's in cash. Like it was in 2021. Yep. So they're probably about due for, for another one. But they, um, but they basically they control the value chains, the product, well, production when it's not really high end, and distribution. But aside from that, you they leave them, they leave the companies largely alone. So oh. to maintain, um, you know, brands as Dior or something like that, where they, they have their own creative director, they don't mess with it. It's, right. Um, and but they they will they will benefit from obviously distribution channels warehousing and things like that um so i mean their philosophy is luxury is always associated with a place or a city or you know a culture or whatever so they don't mess with that right um so if you're you know if it's italian handbags they don't the last thing they will ever do is Is go and manufacture them in china or somewhere else so and that look 
it would seem from a business point of view, why the hell wouldn't you be taking advantage of the economies of scale you could? But they were completely correct in in saying, well, we know we know our space, we know that devalues the brand. So yeah. really brave, to be honest, to, to run a business that way because anyone who's been a Harvard grad or whatever would have walked in and just said, right, we can cut costs everywhere and, yeah. and it would have probably devalued it. So I think, it's a, I think it's a buy because I think they will continue to do what they do extraordinarily well and I don't think anyone else can match them, mm. basically. Um, and anyone who does basically just gets bored by them. Yeah. So um, and it, those brands, I didn't know they own Princess Yachts or Stella McCartney or uh, um, the, Fendi. Many, I, I I can't remember how many brands it is, but the, uh, if you look at if you Google and look at the images, you would just be frightened, like how much how much you spend with this company without <laughs> even knowing. So um, yeah, it's okay. a, it's a great it's a really great well run company. And okay. I'm, um, yeah. All right. Our final stock, Georgie wants a view um, on Atlas Pearls. Mark, producing South Sea Pearls, uh, operations, Indonesia, uh, retail stores in Perth and Bali. Um, what do you think of Atlas Pearls? This is, well, a dad joke morning, a pearl. Like, right. this, this was the one I was, we were talking before, um, uh, prior to air, like, this was the one we were most impressed with. Um, yeah. And... It's been around for 30 years. South Sea Pearls are, um, and look, it has rallied quite a lot, but South Sea Pearls are regarded as the best in the world. I, I sort of went down the rabbit hole on this. And the pearl market is expected to grow 13% um, compounded for at least the next six or seven years. These guys, um, so a, an oyster will, you'll get four pearls out of an oyster maximum. Um, their rate of... Um, Nucleated oysters, so they've they've got a nucleate them to get the pearl, um, is up by seventeen percent. Their average price has gone from thirty six to forty five dollars. Um, their premium, their premium one uh, ones, the pearl take uh, an oyster will take f- up to four years to grow a larger pearl. Um, but just for their for their smaller ones, where they you know they're looking to get one out like a year, um, there's seventeen percent more planted, uh, which means that they mm. should. Um, so their costs have jumped by, sorry, their, um, their realised price they're getting has jumped by 35%. Right. They've got 20% more that are coming and um, and the market's expected to continue to grow by 13%. It's it's a... Um, so have they got new management because the, the stock did nothing for years and just the last two years has... Yeah, look, I... I sort d- of take all last year has taken off. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not 100% on that, but they've got seven farming locations and a thousand people employed. So yeah. this this wouldn't have been, um, you know, this wasn't established, you know, on a whim. It's yeah. been around for ages, like 30 years. So they've got no debt. They've got nine million in cash. Um, they made nine mil last year, net profit after tax. And there's 73 mil market cap even here at like 18 and a half. Like, mm. so don't be frightened of the fact that it's rallied a lot in the last half of last year. I think this probably keeps going, to be honest. Um, so you got to buy on it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm super impressed with this company. Mm. Um, yeah, it looks great. Okay. Jess? Yeah, ditto. Absolutely ditto. So this is a company I think that has well and truly been flying under the radar. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, for thank whoever, you yeah, whoever raised Georgie. this. Yeah, whoever, thank you very much, Georgie. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 pretty spectacular. So growth metrics, they're all up, record numbers, 
And um, <clears throat> pardon me, if you look at the commodity itself, pearls, mm. um, the supply demand dynamics are expected to be favourable for the next couple of years indeed. So I do like that. And then diving into the company itself, I'm not sure of the management reshuffle, but I do like that they're very gender diverse. Right. They actually have more females at the company than males, which is great. Uh, they're growing uh, back to the business. They're growing pearl uh, production at a record level. Um, and their profits and um, net income is actually growing as well. So tick, mm. tick, tick, everything is growing. Um, and if you, if you dive into where their pearl farms are in Bali, that's probably another reason why I want to become a shareholder <laughs> so I can visit their pearl farms. <laughs> Tax deductible trip. Yeah. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. All right. Um, so that's a, a terrific stock to end on. Let's uh, recap the final five stocks. Uh, Michael Hill Jewelry, a no from both uh, Jess and Mark. Uh, Mark prefers LaVisa. AF Legal, a no from both. Uh, Treasury, a hold from Jess. Um, MPC, Mark, is, um, is starting to nibble at it. Uh, earnings report comes out tomorrow. So we'll get an update on how Treasury is going, but uh, Mark's pretty positive about it. Uh, LVMH, um, uh, the big luxury brand based in France, a buy from both. And Atlas Pearls, a buy from both. And that's been the, the little gem uh, out of the 10 stocks, I reckon, for uh, uh, for this Valentine's Day edition of The Call. Um, I can't wait to see the investment committee uh, yeah. on, on Atlas Pearls. <laughs> right, well, up, right up Henry. Jennings and Mathan's Alley, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, when uh, we put that up. But I love little companies like that. And yeah. uh, we try and um, um, sort of go a bit deeper here on Ausbiz. So we'll get the Atlas Pearl executive on and uh, to run us through exactly what the company is doing to, to share the story. Never come up on the call before. Uh, Mark Gardner, thanks very much. Thank you. Good to see you. Uh, Jess Amir from Moomoo, good to see you thanks as so well. Much. Thanks for joining us. All right, if you've got any stocks that um, you'd like me to put to our expert panel, ordinary stocks or loved up ones, keep them coming, uh, go to ausbiz.co slash callpicks or write to us on X, tweet us on X uh, using the at Ausbiz TV handle. Um, enjoy the rest of your Valentine's Day. Um, a, a more sort of normal edition of the call coming tomorrow, but you never know. See you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.